Talking Books on News Talk 106 to 108. understand better that there were many things in her books that she wanted to put in there but that she was not allowed to put in there that she felt repressed and oppressed by societal expectations of what's acceptable in literature and so I think she would have been very happy to have explored incest to explore illegitimacy etc and those things were forbidden her I think that she's a writer whose life does not necessarily inform her books. Her imagination was working all the time, and no matter how she felt personally, even when she was unhappy, even when she was in the midst of a divorce, she still wrote, and it was extraordinary that her imagination and her talent could take her through the rough times of her personal life. Was Edith Wharton a better writer of her own life than her books of fiction? Hello, how are you? And you're very welcome to Talking Books. I'm Susan Cahill. It's lovely to have your company this evening. Edith Wharton is one of America's most celebrated and unique writing talents. Well, tonight on Talking Books, we're going to devote the entire show to this genius of social observation. Irene Goldman Price, the editor of My Dear Governess, the letters of Edith Wharton to Anna Balman, talks to me about Edith's hugely complex and contradictory character and where you draw the line between employee and friend. And Neris Owen Williams and Michael Hines discuss the pleasures of reading a classic Wharton. This is a show about marriage and frustration, sexuality and grief, social privilege and intellectual greatness. But first, how talented and skillful a novelist was Edith Wharton. In 1921, Edith Wharton became the first woman to win the Pulitzer Prize for Literature for her novel, The Age of Innocence. Born into a wealthy family in New York in 1862, Edith was without doubt one of the foremost female intellectuals of her day and devoted most of her troubled life to her art. She was disciplined, hardworking and very, very ambitious. Now, while Edith Wharton was better known for her sharp social commentaries on class, marriage and materialism, she also wrote short stories, travel books and in 1934 published her best-selling memoir, A Backward Glance. So what was it about Edith's voice and style that so besotted her many readers? And why are novels like Ethan Frome, The House of Mirth and The Custom of the Country still so relevant today? Well, to answer these and many more questions, Dr. Neris Owen-Williams from UCT's School of English Drama and Film and Dr. Michael Hines, the director of the Irish Centre for Poetry Studies, joined me to discuss this joint of American literature. I asked Michael how original a writer was Edith Wharton. It's an interesting thing to begin to conjure with because one of the problems in the reception offers at first trying to disentangle her from the likes of Henry James there are obviously points of sort of commonality between them but at the same time there's something very singular about Wharton something very strange about Wharton I think that survives it makes her somewhat different to someone like James maybe the kind of instinct she has I mean her and James both tried to write 
pot boilers at different times. I think she was better at it. Um, and at the same time was able to kind of map in all sorts of narrative sophistication, all sorts of layers of potential reception that you could possibly find in a book. But at the same time had a kind of an interesting instinct at times for, what would you call it? The base? <laughs> Not all the time, but what I find interesting about Wharton for all of her sophistication is there's something quite horrid in her work at times. And not a criticism of the work. That's actually what makes it very compelling. There's a moment in, in Ethan Frome, which is the book I've probably spent most time, spent a lot of time teaching it. A moment in that book where the crash of the carriage is described and uh, it's in the immediate aftermath of the crash and there's a silence established. It's classic, kind of, you know, seamy enough kind of um, populist technique. But then out of that silence, um, Morton says, oh, only one sound could be heard. Uh, Ethan could hear a sound. He wasn't sure quite what it was. It was like the sound of a, a small animal in terrible pain. And you're in this moment of, oh my God, it's like a, in one sense, that is a horrible thing to realise. But you also have the sense of a kind of master technician playing the blue felt role of stroking their kitten and kind of making the kitten scream to make you feel something. But then with Wharton, what gets interesting is that you realise that the book's not just that. It's about showing you that manipulation and showing how narratives are manipulation. And then you're put in the middle of that. Do you think that came naturally to her, Neris? Or did she really have to graft? I think she's very analytic. And I think that what's really compelling about her is how unflinching she is 